Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, College Park Church. You may be seated. Oh, my goodness. I'm still on cloud nine from last Sunday. Uh, Man, was able to sit in a room with some great leaders some committed people, people who are graduated from passion to commitment. Because passion, for a lot of us who've lived life long enough with goals, with ambition, realize that passion can fizzle out over time. There's sometimes you might not be passionate when it comes to paying your bills, but you are committed, because if not, they're committed to throwing you out. Come on, somebody. Some of our kids, some of you are passionate in eating, and it shows. I'm trying to still work on that, my girlish figure up in here, you know? Our kids, unfortunately, not all kids are passionate about eating. That's why we smashed them. You better be committed. You better eat something, right? Because we know how important it is when it comes to certain aspects of life that they need to consume. And so the whole point, the whole the whole, the whole golden nugget that we want you to receive from the whole entire series of prison break and um, going into today's message today is that even though your walk with God started with excitement, though your encounter with God birthed this passion, when you carry your cross, you're not going to When you carry your cross, you're not going to want it. But there is, thank God that Jesus had this commitment, this resilience, this grit to put it on his back and continue on. I know, I know there are people who are going to come alongside you and say, hold on, hold on, can you help him with this cross? Hey, you, Simon, can you come and help this person carry the weight? Thank God for the resiliency and the grit in Jesus saying, no, this is my cross, and I'm carrying it all the way down for humanity, that anyone who calls on my name will be saved, that when they call on my name, because I finished, because I crossed over, because I didn't make any excuses. They can cross over from death to life because of my choices and my decision. You see, your choices and decisions are is what is going to produce life in the other people who don't understand him. So if you constantly live a life of indecision, your kids will live a life of indecision. If you live a life of laziness, the people who are closest to you will live a life of laziness. But I'm determined that there are people waking, them, waking up this morning. There is a sleepy giant that's rising up today that's saying, come hell or high water, I'm committed to the end. It doesn't matter what I feel or matter what I see. I don't walk by what I see. I walk by faith in what he's spoken into me. I'm carrying it through. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Oh, my goodness. Let me go back. Let me get to the message um, for the sake of time. I know a lot of you got got stuff marinating, got stuff cooking right now. Do you want to get to that? How many of you are hungry right now in the natural? How many of you are hungry in the spirit and want a word from God today? Amen. 
Well, again, I want to welcome all of you. From, for those of you who don't know, I'm the senior pastor. My name is Mark Wagner. We want to welcome all of you here this morning and welcome everyone online watching either today or man, in the future. If you have your Bibles, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6, book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Um, this is the main text. We'll read other scriptures before our main text for this morning. This is what the Word of God says. Can you throw it up on the screen? It says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, someone shout but. But store up for yourselves treasures in where? Not in your job, not in your family, not in your possessions, but where? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and cannot steal. For where your treasure is, for those of you who like to underline, highlight, mark your Bibles, this is such an important scripture. For where your treasure is, say it out loud, church. For where your treasure is, one more time, church. Say it loud, say it proud. For where your treasure is. Sound like the Tower of Babel for a minute there. Verse 22, for the eye is the length of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and money. Say it with me. You can't serve God and money. One more time. You can't serve God and money. For those of you who are taking notes today, the title of this morning's message is Money Matters. Money Matters. Will you bow your heads as I, as I pray? God, before I start this message and go into the notes and everything that you penned in my heart, I want to give you first everything. I want to give you the first portion of this message. I want to give you, God, what is yours? Everything that you give me, God, is a gift. My life is a gift, and what I do with my life is a gift back to you. And so I want everything that you give me, I want the first portion, Lord God, to be a blessing, a worship, an offering to you. So Father God, let everything that we do be edifying and building up your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen. Can somebody shout amen? I don't know if you've noticed, but here in, in the city of Greenville, there's a lot of construction, a lot of building going on, right? Yeah. It's like no matter where you turn, no matter where you drive to, there's a new road being built, there's a new building being torn down, a new building being replaced, right? Anybody know? Anybody seen that in downtown? There's just buildings coming down, and there are buildings going up. My observation as I watch people tear down buildings and people put new buildings up is that it's a lot quicker to tear down a building. It's a lot longer to build it up. It's a lot easier to tear down a road. It takes Greenville City a lot longer to build it back up. Anybody know what I'm talking about in this place? It's so easy. It's so easy to walk in fear and tear a person down. It's a lot harder to walk by faith and to build people up. It's a lot easier to be able to be negative and to be a cynic when it comes to what's going around you, what they should do, and what, they, you know, what, and what you deserve. Rather, it's harder to live a life that's selfless, where you give your life as a living sacrifice to the, his spirit. Amen. It's hard. It's hard to live a life not by feelings, but by faith. 
It's hard sometimes to make a decision based on God's word than what I, versus what I desire in my life and the way I'm feeling that whatever particular day. I mean, it's a fight sometimes. It's hard. Someone shout, it's hard. Man, it's hard sometimes when it comes to giving our life to the point where we give in such a way that all our life reflects and gives him all the glory. Like you sang it this morning. All of the glory, all of the glory is yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. And all of you singing, some of you have smiles on your face because you believe it. Some of you have tears coming down your face because you feel it. But do you really live it? See, when we talk about giving God our life, we're like, yeah, I'm going to give God everything. Give God my time. Yeah, I'm going to give God my time. Give God my kids. Man, take my kids, God. You can have them for free. Isn't that what child dedication is today? You can have them all, Lord. But, man, when it comes to money, man, we freak out. We bug out. We get, make it, church gets weird, right? Like Pastor Dylan's up on stage earlier, and he's talking about giving God your everything. God gave you everything. God's love is everything. And we're like, woo, preaching. I mean, he gets hoarse. Did you hear him? The dude was hoarse. He was giving his heart. I Man, he was preaching fire. Anybody, did anybody recognize that? But then the moment he started talking about money, he's like, mm, y'all look constipated. It's like, are you constipated? No, he's talking about money now. <laughs> it just gets weird. And I, I get it, I get it, I get it why we get weird when churches talk about money. Maybe you, maybe you sat under a certain organization. Maybe, maybe you heard certain pastors growing up and they abused it. They took advantage of it. Whether a pastor in a brick and mortar church, whether a pastor who's a TV preacher, someone, someone took advantage of people who are feeble-minded. People took advantage of people who didn't understand wisdom and, and, have, and have right knowledge according to God's word. And because of that, here we are today because of the mistrust of other people. It's hard for us to trust right now. But, 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 but can we lean in this morning? Please, don't allow a, 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 just, man, just a poor decision of somebody else to stop you from the potential that God wants to produce out of you when it comes to living by his principles and plan for your life in the area of giving. Amen? See, see this scripture in Matthew chapter 6, man, it's so important. God gives, us, God gives us the indicator. He gives us the ruler. He gives us the way in order to measure a person's heart, in order to see, does this person really love me? Because we live in a time where people say, I love God. They, they say they love God by how they worship. They say they love God by how they treat people. They say they love God by their words. But how many of you know words are meaningless if, if it's not followed by action? So we live in a day where people can literally not just come to church, they can literally serve in a church, say they love God, but Scripture leans in. Scripture gives us these tools in order for you to get in and see the condition of your heart. And so Scripture, this is what he says. He says, for where your treasure is, see, I preach this message so many times. But I never really recognized the order. I preached this since I became a full-time pastor at the age of 23 years old. Man, and since then, I haven't had any other job other than ministry. It's been, it's been my ultimate goal. It's been, my ulti- it's been 
the only thing I've done in my life other than more importantly than being the pastor, being a, a, a more, not, even a, not even a father, but a husband to my wife and then a father to my kids. I, I've seen the scripture over and over again. And then the Holy Spirit revealed something to me. And that is Pastor Mark. I'm about to say Pastor Mark. Mark, look at the order. For where your treasure is, what? Some of us wonder, I wonder, do I really love God? Am I really committed to God? Like, does my life really reflect the words that I'm singing to God? You know what scripture says, how you can find if you're really aligned with God? Follow the treasure and you'll find your heart. For where your treasure flows, your heart follows. Come on, somebody. I know no one wants to say amen to that, but that's deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been living in this house here recently. The house that I'm living in, we've been living there five years. Um, the end of last year, end of last year, we had the um, floors redone, right? Because of the floors were rotting underneath. The floors were rotting because there was a small leak, a small crack in the pipe in our laundry room, and it was leaking out rotted the laundry room, was rotting our bathroom, and it was rotting our bedroom. And so everywhere we were walking, it was real soft and things were cracking. And all that came because a small leak that came underneath the surface. You see, it's, it's the small things that destroy your life. It's the small things in life that will rot the very foundation of everything that you've been building on. You've been trying to build up your house. You've been trying to build up your life. And you know what happened? In order to be able to fix, to be able to put more stuff in, we had to take everything out and then rip everything that was there and put new floor on. And for some of you, you'll never get the life that God designed for you until you look exactly at what's inside of you and fix the rotting, the rotting places of your heart, the rotting places of your life. You see, here's the thing. God says, God's word, this is Jesus speaking. You want to know who you really are? Follow the checkbook. Follow the checkbook. Because at the end of the day, investment peaks interest. I know that I know I know this to be true. I remember when I got into stocks and investing in the stocks. I remember how excited I was. Why? Because they had my money. And where your money is, that's where you have most interest in. You see, it's more, it's more than just money. Before, before I put my money in the stocks, I didn't, I didn't care nothing about stocks, Scott. Boy, say that 10 times fast. I didn't have, I didn't have any interest in investing my money in certain companies. But what ended up happening is because now that it has my money, I find myself waking up every morning checking where's my money. Is it growing? Every day, I'm checking it throughout the day. Has anything changed? I'm looking at the trends. I'm doing research on various other companies to see which one would bring me a greater return. And so, you know what? I've learned when it comes to interest, you will always lose it if you have no investment. Let's talk about marriage. Date night should not be optional. I thought some married folks would be making some noise for that. Date night should not be optional. But past the market costs money. Yeah, that's what's called an investment. 
And what you don't invest in, you will lose interest in. So you stop spending money on your wife, you stop spending money on your spouse, you stop spending money on your kids, it's only a matter of time before you lose interest and you find interest in something else because you have an investment. That's why so many people cheat on their spouse because they invest in that girl or that boy more than they do their own. And they wonder why right now, why does it look like it's greener on the other side? Because you keep throwing that green to the other side. That's why. But if you took that kind of commitment in your current relationships, my God, he would grow it. Because where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your, what? Your heart would be also. So you can tell me you love God, and you can tell me you serve him with all your heart. It's lip service if you don't show it through sacrifice. There, there should be some sacrifice when it comes to the words that are coming out of your mouth, that you're spitting out of your life. A woman knows a man loves them by how they go after them. You, you get a return when it comes from stocks based on your investment with that company, the money that you give them. And so when it comes to life, God is saying, do you really love me? Or are you allowing the prison of fear, the, the, the man, the prison of opinions of other people to continue from seeing all the blessings that I want to give you today? He only can transform your life if you allow him to touch your life, but he can't touch your life if you don't offer your life as a living sacrifice to him. So God desires to touch you so he can transform you, but he can't transform you if you don't surrender your whole heart to him. And how do you surrender your whole heart to him? By your investment. And when you give that investment, that is what will... See, that's why I love this church. That's why I love my church. It's not because it's words. It's because I want to give to it. You know, every time, every time we have... Um, every year, every time we have um, oh, Lord, our, our capital campaign, our legacy seed, me and my wife have made a commitment that we are going to give our biggest seed every year. So last year we gave a seed. We doubled it this year. Last year, it was a task. This year, it was a bigger test, but we're like, God, we love you. We love you. And because we love you, we're going to invest everything that we have into you, into your house and into your kingdom. Why? Because that's what piques interest. That's why it's not, it's not easy. It's not, it, would ne- it would never be an easy choice for me to leave this church. Why? Because of what I've invested in it. Why do you think people can leave church, hop churches from church to church to church? They got no investment. They're, they got no roots in it. You know, it's, it's just, they're just a walker. They're like a homeless person at the side, going from street to street to street. Like we, you look at homeless people on the street, that's how people are in the, in the pews in the, or in these seats. Church to church, asking for a handout. Church to church, asking for a hand up. Church to church, but never growing rooted, giving other life. You see, see, this is one of the excuses. I say, I say this all the time to the people I mentor a lot. If you really want something, you'll find a way. But if not, you'll make an excuse. You'll make an excuse. You've heard me say that from time to time in this church service or in past services. If you really want something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll make it an excuse. 
It's funny because we say certain, we make certain excuses like, well, I'm just, I'm just, nah, Pastor Mark, man, you know I'm good for it. Man, you know I love God. I'm just, I'm waiting to get my money right. I'm just, man, I'm, I'm waiting to get everything right. No, no, God's, God's wanting for you to get your heart right. He's not asking you to give everything, but he's asking you to give a portion of something. Can you at least give him the 10%? Can you at least give him the first? You see, he doesn't want just your money. He wants your time. He doesn't want just your treasure, but he, but he wants your every day. So much like he wants my every day. You see, that's why I love about Sunday mornings. Because some people don't realize it, but Sunday is the first day of the week. Saturday is actually the Sabbath of rest. Some of you were like, well, why, 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 why aren't we, you know, the, the Sabbath was never meant to rule you. The Sabbath, the Sabbath was meant to help you. In, in fact, Jesus would go on to say in the New Testament that the Sabbath is a heart thing. It's a time of rest and reflection to how God's been good to you. And so Sunday, New Testament would show that the believers would meet on the first day of the week. And so that's why we, that's what we do. And so my, you know what my commitment is to God? Not my passion, my commitment, because sometimes I'm not passionate about Sunday mornings. Sometimes I'm not passionate to preach. Sometimes I'm not passionate to sing. Sometimes I'm not passionate to give. But guess what? It's not a passion anymore. Now it's a commitment. I'm committed to Sunday. Why? Because Sunday is the first portion of the week. And I believe if I give him the first portion of the week, if I give him the first of it, he'll take care of all of it. I, I, I just, I choose to believe that if I, if I, man, if I just focus on the first, he'll fix the rest. If I focus on the 10% of what I give, he'll take care of the rest. If I focus on the first day of my week, he'll take care of the rest. See, see, he, let's break this down here when it comes to money. I had one of my leaders, they asked me, Pastor Mark, I just, I just got my tax return. Like, like I've already tithed on it. Do, do I need, or I've already, I've, I've already tithed on it throughout the year. Do, do I need to tithe on my tax return? I'm, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Let me tell you what I've committed to do. Whatever God gives me, I'm going to tithe on it. Whatever he gives me. Because whatever he gives me, I don't want to hold it. Because if I hold it, it'll die with me. But if I release it in the ground, it can grow to 10, 100 fold in his hand. So whether it's the tithe, whether it's my bio life money from donating plasma, I don't care what kind of increase I get, he gets a portion of it. Why? Because that portion is nothing more than a reflection of my worship. Of my worship. Remember, worship is more than just a song. Worship is action. It's what we do. It's what we give when it comes to our treasure. Because what your treasure is, church, where your treasure is, church, there your heart would be also. Understand, God does not want your money. Because some of you are like, well, Pastor Mark, you're saying God wants money? No, no, no. You're missing the whole point of this message. God does not want your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. God doesn't need your money. But he needs your heart if you want him to transform your life. God can't touch your life if you don't open up your life. And if he can't touch your life, he can't transform your life. And if he can't transform your life, then you'll never experience all the miracles that he planned for you. But because you live in a prison, not wanting to live by his principles, they pass you by. Two of the greatest examples of this in scripture 
is, um, um, it comes out of um, the book of Genesis. I, for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Abraham and Lot. Abraham is, is called the father of the faith, right? He's the person who started it all, had a couple conversations on one hand that you can count. That's it. Some of us have had multiple conversations in one week and can't even be committed. This guy was 75 years old when God spoke to him the promise. 75 years old. Good news. It doesn't matter how old you are. God can still speak to you. Amen. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're 17 or 75. God can still use you to be a world changer today that will leave a mark that will impact the legacy to come if you will just stay committed and resilient before him. Because somebody give God praise for that. He's not a respecter of age. And so what I love about scripture, what I love about God's word so clearly is that the Bible says that Lot connects to Abraham. Lot didn't get a word from God. Lot's not following God. Lot has, can care less about God. But Lot is the nephew of Abraham, and by default, Scripture lets us know that they become so filthy, stinking rich. Like, so, like, like stupid rich, right? Like, the Bible describes it in the book of Genesis that they are, they are so rich that the servants of Abraham and the servants of Lot are fighting because the cattle of Abraham and the cattle of Lot are multiplying so fast that they're starting to like just leak over into each other's property and they don't know what to do with. It's like, it's like, it's like me saying, you know what? I don't have enough room in my, in my garage for all my cars and motorcycles. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> That's like crazy rich problems. You know what I mean? This is the kind of problems Abraham and Lot were having. But the way the, the, way the story unfolds, what picture, what picture pins for us in regards to these two jokers, they couldn't be any different. Like their mindset was completely opposite of each other and how they served him. You see, the Bible says that when Abraham got a word from God, that he, he stepped out of his tent, God told him, and then he went. Most people can't do that. That's like the hardest step. Instead of going when he tells you, you're like, show me and then I'll go. God's like, it's not about show and go. You go and then I'll show. This is one of the hardest things. Salvation is probably one of the hardest commitments any Christian can make. God, 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 show me you'll take care of my marriage, and then I'll surrender my life. Show me you'll take care of my business, and then, I, and, and, and then I'll tithe, you know, when it comes to the first portion of everything that you placed in my life. God, show me. God's like, no, no, no. This is what happens to Abraham. If you go, then I'll show. And the Bible says not seeing anything, not knowing anything, he, only from a word, he steps out of his prison of indecision and fear, steps out on a word, steps out on a word, doesn't see nothing, but steps out on a word because he realizes, like Peter, that you know what? If I step out on the word, what I might be stepping out on water, which is liquid, but that liquid water, if I step out on his word, is going to turn into be solid, and I'll be able to walk in any direction God places me. Why? Because I don't walk by sight. I walk by and when you do that, you can walk on anything. You can walk on any service. He'll make any shallow place solid before you. Why? Because you trust his presence is with you. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I don't have to fear evil. Why? Because my faith is sold in you. My faith is rooted in you. I don't have to see it. I don't have to see it, then go. You don't have to show, and then I'll go. No, I'll go because you're faithful. You're faithful. But Lot, man, Lot, Lot was a lot different than Abraham. The Bible tells us that, like, they have a conversation. They get to a place where they're becoming so crazy, crazy blessed. And so Abraham tells Lot, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Wherever you go, man, just I hope God blesses you. And so the Bible says that you know what Lot did? Lot does what a lot of us do. He looks for the best spot that he can plant his family in. And so Genesis chapter 3, just so we could be on the same page, Genesis chapter, um, Genesis, um, can y'all pull it up? 13 verses 10 through 11. Genesis chapter 13 verses 10 through 11. And so Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. And the two men parted company. That's crazy. Like Lot, the only reason why you're blessed is because of Abraham. The only reason your life is being transformed is because God touched him and you by default are connected to him are blessed by him. You think you're blessed because of what you've done. No, you're blessed because you're following the faithfulness of another individual and what he's done. Because God doesn't bless a place. He blesses a people. And so what happens is we think if I get to this place, God's going to bless me. If I get to this place, God's going to, you know, transform. If I get this place, my whole life's going to turn around. And God's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. My blessing, go, you know, it's like an anointing. It flows from the top of your head to the sole of the feet. It doesn't flow on the dirt. It flows on noble people who have faith and committed to him. And so what I love about scripture is that the Bible says that Lot, he lives by sight. And he picks what looks good in front of his eyes. But, but, but Abraham, he lived differently. The Bible says that Lot, pitched him, Lot built a house, built a family, and a land that was like the Garden of Eden. Just, isn't that like a perfect place the Bible describes as? But you know where Abraham goes? He goes into a wasteland. A waste and barren land. Read it for yourself. It's a great story. You know what he does when he goes into that wasteland? He builds a tent. You know what he does after he builds a tent? He walks out of his tent and he builds an altar to worship God in it. I don't care how little everything sees around me. You deserve all the glory. Because Abraham understood this kingdom principle. It's not about what I get, but it's about what I give. Because as I Give. He's going to give back to me. Kendall, would you come up here for a minute? I know I, I didn't ask you, ask you, but I want to use you as an illustration. Can y'all welcome Kendall to the platform this morning? I got so much respect. So much respect for single, fam, um, single parent families. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. I can't do it. You're a strong woman, all right? All of you who are raising kids by yourself, I don't know how you do it. But God, who gives you the strength each and every day. Amen? Can we get God, can we get God praise 
for his faithfulness. Can you just open up your hand like this? So this is what God will do. God will give you a dream, but it'll look like a seed. The problem with the promise is that every promise of God has a problem attached by God to it. Why? For one thing, that when you get through the problem, you only give glory to him. That's why. You'll experience trials, you'll experience tribulation of many kinds, James writes about in the New Testament. But he says, when you experience trials and tribulations, take heart. For that's producing patience. Let patience have its work so you'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But what happens though, God gives us a promise, but then we throw the promise because we, are, we see a problem, and then we quit on God because of the problem. You didn't quit on the problem. You quit on the promise because every promise has a problem attached to it. Every. See, see the promise was at the age of 75, Abraham, I'm blessing you with a son. The problem was he was 75 years old. <laughs> the dude was dried up. I said a long time ago from the floor up. I'm going to say it. He was messed up, man. He was a prune. That's a problem. I, I all joke aside, that's a problem. Amen? But he doesn't look at the problem. But he pushes through the pain and inconvenience. See this, see this, but this, here's another problem. It took over two decades for that promise to bloom. Two decades. Some of us can't even wait seven days, much less two decades. Two decades. And so what ends up happening is he would eventually, because of his faithfulness, that promise would be produced through his lineage. He gives birth to a son named Isaac. Isaac would give a birth to um, Jacob. Jacob would give birth to the 12 sons of, uh, of, of Israel, of Judah. And, and what would happen, uh, 12 sons of Israel. And what would happen is through that lineage of the, 12 of the 12 tribes, Jesus would come from. But here's the problem. The problem is when we can't push through and be committed Two decades of a wife arguing. Two decades of not seeing anything. Two decades of only having enough word to count on one hand in order to hold everything together in your soul. But isn't that what Matthew 6 is all about? Getting underneath the surface of the things that are trying to destroy you within? He wants your heart. And he realizes if I can get your heart, if I can get your heart, if I can touch your heart, can you, I, can control, I can transform your life. And if, I, if you allow me to transform your life, every promise that he has ever said to you, every promise that he has ever given you will come to life. Newsflash church, there has never been a person in the Bible who got a promise where God didn't come through. And can I just give you some good news? He's not going to start with you yet. 
to those of us who are called, to those of us who live faithful. God says, I will pour out my blessing from the north, south, east, and west if you will just release what I've given to you in your current situation. And so God, God gives Kindle a seed and says, man, if you will release that seed, the measure you use, Scripture says in Luke, you throw it up, it will be measured back to you. So release that seed, Kindle. So it's, oh, you want to give that seed? Yeah, let me give you some more seed. The measure you use, Kindle, it'll be measured back to you. Oh, so you gave, let me give you some more seed. The measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. The measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. The measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The blessings of God are limited, are limited by your container to give it. And so you know what God says? I know that's your container, but man, you've been given so much seed in the process. You know what? Because you've been so faithful, let me enlarge. Let me enlarge it. See, because those who are faithful over a little, I'll make rulers over many, Scripture says. Those who will release what's in their hand, I will place more in their hand. And so he'll upgrade it from a cup to a nice-sized bucket. Blessed are you who give, for it will be given down to you. Blessed are you, Kindle, because you've given. It will be given back to you. Blessed are you, the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. But, 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 but here's the problem. Here's the problem. During the process of being blessed by Jesus, hold it tight. We want to keep it. We want to keep it. Man, I like this truck. I like this car. I like this house. I want to keep it. The problem, though, keep it. Don't let me, don't let me, get, don't, don't let me get that. The problem with that, you can hold as much seed in your head. It's not wrong to hold all the seed. It's not wrong to desire all this seed. It's not wrong. But here's the problem. It will die in your hand. It'll die if you keep it. It doesn't have the power to produce 10 and 100 fold. But if you give it, he'll upgrade you. He'll upgrade you if you give it. Are you going to give it? 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 It's based. It's based on how you give it. The measure he gives to you is based on how you give it. You're like, that's a big mess. That's how much blessing God has for you if you'll give it. Yeah. You're experiencing disaster all around. But God, and in regards to a mess, but God says, I want to mess you with blessing. Scott, I want to, Karen, I want to mess you with blessing. Kim, I want to mess your family with blessing. I want to pour it all on you with blessing right now. But will you give what, what, what already you have in your hand? Thank you, Kendall. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. It is, you're more blessed to give than to receive. You're looking at, I got to keep this investment. I got to keep my mind and my thoughts and my, and I, I, I got to keep myself. God's like, if you give me your life, I'll give you life. If you give me your mind, I'll transform your mind. 
If you release your heart, release the cares, release the anxiety, I can transform your life. But God can't transform what you don't allow him to touch. God will not create something new that which you won't allow him to have cares when it comes to his hand. And so this morning, understand your money matters, but God doesn't want your money. God wants your You only invest in what you love. I know certain people in this place love guns because of their investment. I know certain people love food because of their investment. I know certain people how much they love their house because of their investment. I know some of you, you love your job because of how much investment. And you're wanting to peak interest into everybody else about it. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But it is wrong when we hold it for ourselves. And we don't surrender it. God, you can have all of it. You bless me with this bless you bless me with this business so I can be a blessing. Now, I'm not pushing hard work. I know I understand the art of the sell and the art of negotiation, but God gave you that mindset to be able to have that art. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disregarding hard work and hard work ethic, but God is the one who gave you that passion to be able to produce that kind of work ethic out of your heart because where your treasure is, you'll find your heart. And so to every one of you who are experiencing lack, whether in your job, whether in your finances, whether in your family, those of you who are experiencing lack, when it comes to the promises of God in your life, God only asks one thing from you. Will you be faithful to give it to me? Like Abraham, will you leave that tent which was buried in a wasteland, make an altar and worship me because of how much you love me? See, money's not an issue. God doesn't talk trash about money. He doesn't devalue money. What he trashes and devalues is when you love it more than you love him. The love of money, the love of influence, the love of position, the love of power, not realizing that the only reason you have any of these promises, the only reason why you have any of these seeds is because he is the one in charge in blessing me and blessing you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, right now. Father God, I just pray for every person in this place that has had the wrong lifestyle in regards to living a life for you. Some of us, Lord God, have been focusing on you showing us when we've already had enough word through your scriptures in order to go on it right now. It's not about what we need. It's about using what we already have in our life. You placed a dream, you placed a promise into every one, of these, every one of these people here this morning. And so, Father God, we give it back to you. We give you every need. We give you every care. More importantly, we don't just give you certain needs. We give you our heart where everything, everything dwells from. Your word says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Guard your heart above all else because out of your heart flows the issues of life. 
the issues of life spring out from our heart. And so, Father God, rain down your grace and mercy on us. As we give you glory, Lord God, remind us that it's not us who have done this, but it's you who has done everything with and in us. God, whether we have a thousand dollars to give, whether we only have a dollar to give, we're going to give it because everything is already yours. None of it is mine. And we want to honor you with it. We want to honor you with our treasure. We want to honor you with our time. We want to honor you with our talents. We want to honor you with our life. Everything that we have is yours. Our life is a gift from you. And what we do with our life is a gift back to you. Let the praises of our lips and the dedication and commitment of our heart give you praise, glory, and honor. Could somebody give God praise in this house for a life that is going to be lived out in commitment before him?